So this is a little bit of an unusual episode, not that you might notice if you're at home, because I'm actually, I'm staring into Tom's eyes as we speak. And it's deeply uncomfortable, <laughs> it's very peculiar, I'm not sure I like this setup, I've heard of we'll lo- roll with it. It's lots fine. of podcasters refuse to work in the same room. But I can understand why, we're going to have to be very careful about crosstalk and messing up, aren't we? Yes, this may not work, and we may, next time... Um, we're in the same vicinity we may stay in our different houses <laughs> well we've got some long cables kicking around somewhere so we could probably run from room to room if we needed to yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we'll see how it goes it's a learning experience how's your talk going my talk is going well i know what i'm going to say i know how i'm going to say it i know what order i'm going to say it in but i haven't completely finished the visual presentation side of it at the moment because i thought it would probably be what with it being soon and me not being very good at doing things i thought it probably would make sense for me to build a brand new slideshow presentation format essentially so i've built a web page that is my <laughs> slideshow <laughs> so you just reinvented powerpoint while you're at it yes i have yeah so it's quite oh, that fun makes I, got, sense. I got i got to play around with the key <laughs> bindings and uh rig up a whole load of stuff so there's now you get a little progress bar at the top and what you get with this that you don't get with powerpoint transitions is you get css transitions in between the slides which is very nice so it's all seamless and the main there is a reason for doing it that way is because the whole talk is built around um using the web audio api's audio context and i want to kind of keep that context running all the way through the talk but incrementally add extra bits to it okay so to have that running and be able to show code snippets and images and flick from things and trigger things kind of just made sense for it all to be a, a web page really yeah so soon you'll be learning web assembly and then you'll never look back <laughs> never i swear <laughs> i like javascript i'm sticking with javascript um so with the conference coming up and thinking about i guess a lot of the conference is talking to people about jobs and yeah, things a, like that a big benefit of going to events like these is you get to meet all the tech people in your area uh, or in a wider sphere and it's really good for meeting up with people who are hiring particularly because they are then going to be at the conference, deliberately looking out for people that they want to talk to. It's a good opportunity. So it's a good time to prepare then for maybe what you would be expecting from a job interview? I think so. And also, I think now is a very good time to cover like the interview process with you because you're coming up on the point where it makes sense to start interviewing now. I get the impression you maybe think differently and would rather wait. Yeah. Uh, do you not think three months out is four months out? Is no, I think three, month, three, months is, three months is the point at which you should start applying, I think. Because um, some, sometimes people do have three-month notice periods. I've had three-month notice period in the past. It's unusual, but it's not unheard of. And, yeah, I think there's no nothing to be gained by waiting. Other than security of applying to jobs that I know I'll actually be able to commute to. That's a tough call when you're not 100% sure where you're going to end up. But I think sometimes you've got to roll got to roll a hard six haven't you you've got to make it happen and it's a, sometimes it could be a slow process i'd rather have to run the risk of saying oh sorry things aren't panning out as i thought we're gonna to have to change plans i'd rather have that risk than get to the point where i would like to be employed and have a job and have nothing in the works because i'm two months further down the road okay and end up being a supply teacher which is what yeah. people keep saying to me do, do they yeah and i w- say no i'm not doing that yeah. w- would you <laughs> would you if you had to no no, I'd I think rather work in a pub or something instead. <laughs> well, I don't think it will come to that. I think hey, you'll definitely will find find work. I think I'm pretty sure. And also, you've made this decision to make the career break. I think you should be should live it for a bit, even if it takes you a few months to find a proper position. Yeah, I think I'm a, I'm prepared for a few months. So, Tom, what does the interview process look like for a tech job? What am I expecting?
distracting when it comes up because I've heard all these scary things about having to go in there and write your own algorithm for some on a whiteboard without a computer in sight. I mean, is that what I've got to look forward to? Potentially. There are lots of different avenues that it goes down. There are what I've noticed sort of in the last few rounds of hiring and being hired and seeing other people go through the same process, friends and colleagues. There are a lot of things that are consistent between different things so there are trends there's stuff that's happening a lot right now so if you go if you were to go and look for a job in london right now i could probably sort of predict the process pretty closely i think so would you maybe want to start us off by talking us what happened without maybe going into too much detail to identify people but what happened in your previous job yeah okay yeah so the last um job i'll tell you what i might pull up the spreadsheet then we can have some have some numbers and some data to look at because being a nerd i made a spreadsheet so Tom's just pulled up on the screen a spreadsheet, and in the first column you've got companies, and then the date you applied. Why have you got the date you applied? Uh, mainly to help keep track, and also because I wanted to list companies on there that I was thinking of applying to but didn't. So I, as a, my first, I, I'm, I want to find it. I want to start a new job. I'm taking the job hunt seriously. I made a list of companies that I wanted to approach, and also did just the kind of trawl to the job boards, like the um, Copen Shop Top job board, and all the various like remote like digital nomad stuff people that were advertising specifically remote what remote positions because mm-hmm. that was what i was looking for yeah and just made a list of all the companies i found at that time that were actively hiring um that were actually sort of accepting applications that matched my job description so front end developer really um with the javascript heavy heavy on javascript and ideally working with react um, that was my criteria and I wanted them and also I wanted them to be a certain size so these are my, my criteria were over a certain scale there was a kind of a limit that I didn't want to go below in terms of like operating budget and personnel yep so you don't want to be in like a startup that's going to go under in a few months yeah that was my thinking and also I like the environment that you get from working with lots of other developers I was coming out in that in that instance I was coming out of an, in a position where i'd kind of been in a dev team of one like there was a more there were more devs in a different location but we weren't working together as a team we were kind of individually if you're looking for a remote job does that matter (laughs) yes because it's not yeah i'm remote physically but you're not like a proper remote job you're not remote the interpersonal stuff you talk to people you do what you collaborate yeah you work it's a very collaborative environment so the work i'm doing at the moment while i'm remote the majority of the time i'm collaborating with my colleagues more often than i have in in previous roles or certainly at at least as most okay i think i'm going to add a question to our episode list of talking more about what remote work is because i think a few people me included probably don't actually entail what's the life of a remote developer like yeah i agree i i had very differing opinions of what remote work was like i knew i wanted to do it didn't necessarily know the specifics so yeah that probably would be a good one to dive into So back to the table, we've got company, then the date you applied. Yeah, so the reason I had date I applied yeah. is because there were companies on the list that I knew were hiring or that I was interested in applying to, but not may not have got round to. So you notice there's a couple on there that have got little X's now rather than a date because, in fact, in one annoying instance, I'd actually filled out an application <laughs> and done a massive web form, and then by the time I submitted, the thing had closed. Ah. <laughs> so so do they not anymore. doesn't tell you apply by certain date? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Some of them are kind of open open calls. Okay. Um, and, so, and I think some of them will have a deadline, but they find the right person and they shut it down. Yep. And then you've got response. So you've put uh, at the stage at which you got to. So I guess at the beginning, they're all blank. 
Mm-hmm. And now at the moment we've got a few interview, never heard back, dare we say it, rejection. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, uh, I think it's not. Red writing. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, well, the colour scheme is red was, it didn't work yep. at all. Orange was started going through the process, but then either didn't finish or decided to stop early uh, because there are green ones and the green ones are the ones I got offers for. Great. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry, I was focusing on the <laughs> all the red ones, but there are a couple of green ones there as well, which is nice. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the, the, so I think a few of those orange ones could have gone green had I persevered, but I found something I was happy with, so that's kind of how that works. And then the final column is the type of job, and it's really interesting to see they're all, well, no, yeah, there's about two that are the same as each other, but you've got quite a few, maybe 20 or 30 here, Yeah, and every uh, single job... Uh, description i guess of job title is different from the other. <laughs> i think you're maybe mis-selling that because a lot of it is just rewording the same thing yeah there's a lot of javascript engineer front-end engineer senior front-end developer front-end developer front-end engineer lead front-end they're all front-end design slash engineer yeah well we talked about these words before didn't we and mm. it looks like developer and engineer just the same thing yeah, I think so. Or do you think when applying to the jobs, they seemed like different things? No, they seemed like exactly the same thing. I think people just call it different yep. stuff. But then I have I know people who build bridges and are actual engineers. <laughs> I feel yeah. I always feel a bit weird calling myself an engineer. I'd but think. not necessarily if you've gone and done a computer science degree and then you've spent time doing that. You are oh, yeah. a sort yeah. of engineer, aren't you? I think I am not at the level of software that I would call myself. I think there are people who do software development that can legitimately call themselves engineers on the kind of they are at the same level of technical ability as someone who stops a building falling down <laughs> yeah but i think my stuff is a little bit less than that well not less but different yeah, yeah. it's a different discipline and engineer specifically kind of requires an engineering degree mm-hmm. and i think and there are you can you can do you can get a master's in engineering in computer science like they are engineering degrees yeah and they are of the same level of academic rigor rigor as engineering degrees yeah Okay, so we're, we've talked about where we've gone off. We have gone off on a little bit of a tangent here about even how to apply to jobs, whereas this episode is more focused on what happens during the job interview. So yeah. f- focusing down now on those green ones, can you tell us what, maybe just pick one and tell us what happens? Yeah, well, I'll show you. The, in fact, if we, if we look at the orange and green ones as well, um, they're ones where, it, and in fact, some of the red as well, they all follow the same sort of pattern. In all the cases where I heard back from someone, the first step was a phone interview. Um, sometimes that was with a hiring manager. Sometimes it was with a member of the dev team. But that was always sort of very didn't they didn't didn't ask any coding questions. They asked about languages and about experience and sort of why I was applying for the role or why I thought I might be a good fit, but only in very loose terms. Mm-hmm. But it was most mostly just that first phone screen is does this person sound like they know what they're talking about? So if I say things, if they, as if I, as a hiring manager, say React and JavaScript, and do they start talking about that in the sense, do they give an impression that they know what I'm talking about or are they kind of reading off a crib yep. sheet? It's the real basic stuff. It's like, do they know the difference between Java, between React and Angular? You were going to say you were going to say JavaScript and Java, weren't you? <laughs> no, leave that one for that. Maybe the recruiters should, could do with one of these. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping screens. that. I think that's that side of things is that's what that first sort of get your CV in is. Yeah. Mostly, what that first phone interview was doing was setting up the coding challenge. So that was always then the next step was we have a coding challenge for you to do. I did four and looked at a couple more. So in this round of hiring i did quite a few coding challenges but i also spoke to people about 
a lot more than I actually did. And that was the point. Like I had a sense of how they were talking about their company and didn't get like the vibe that I was after mm-hmm. and what I was, and that specific measure that I was looking at was do the, does the person I'm talking to, if they're part of the company, do they sound technical? Cause I spoke to quite a few founders of startups and some were very marketery and some were very tech and some were in the middle. Mm-hmm. The marketery ones were, that was kind of one of my internal red flags. Not that they were bad places to work, but that wasn't what I was looking for at the time. I guess the companies have other people that maybe the founder isn't necessarily someone you want to be a technical person because they're the person with the vision and the mission, and then they hire people to do the more technical yep. stuff. That, that's a, a definitely a valid argument. What I was specifically looking for was a company with technical founders. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I think for where I was, I wanted to be working in a team that was where the tech was like a big part of... I mean, obviously, someone who's come up with an idea and hired people to make that idea happen, tech is a big part of that as well. But specifically, I wanted that technical knowledge all the way up to the top because I'd been, I was coming from a position where the the tech side was maybe a little bit undervalued in the company. It was seen more as like, oh, well, computers can be doing, like, we'll have robots to do that in, mm-hmm. in, in a couple of years. So you're just a temporary part of the company. Yeah. So you had maybe four code challenges? Yeah. Um, so they were, they ran the gamut as well some of them were really well sort of thought out and structured and it was a very specific thing so like here is a project and one of these tests is failing we want you to go in and fix this test and then we want you to add this feature and write a test for it so that kind of level of specificity some were broader somewhere we want you to implement this basic concept like we want a thing where you can log in and leave a message and log out and i'm not sure which i preferred i found the specific ones i could get done (laughs) more quickly and were more were easier to mm-hmm. a certain extent and they made so after having done the code challenges before meeting anybody like speaking to anybody about the challenge i found that i was feeling more excited about the ones where they'd kind of given quite a strict list of things to do because i thought oh, this this makes them look organized and i want to work somewhere that's organized <laughs> um, but in retrospect i think the ones that were more open-ended gave me more opportunity to like favor they, they favor the candidate more. Like, I think I found a couple of the the ones that were quite specific requirements. They, they felt easy because they were specifically, that was right in my wheelhouse. They were things that I knew how to do. I know I've, like the week before I was writing tests in jest. And then one of the things was, oh, here's a test in jest. Can you make it work? So I didn't have to learn any of the framework. I just went in and did the specific task I was asked to do, which I think was probably a good sign in that my tech skills were aligned with what the job was looking for but if i was coming if i was changing tech stack or i was coming from a different environment or a career change like you are that wouldn't have been as favorable because you're then tied to a very specific way of doing things and with dev work being the way it is sometimes you can just a tiny little bug can throw you off in the build stack and you haven't actually done any work but you've spent two days configuring webpack or something to get the whole thing just to boot on your machine um so if you've got a very specific tech challenge you know there's more risk of you hitting some kind of barrier that is not actually demonstrative of your skills but that stops you giving a a really good result so those ones give you specific languages and technologies that you have to use yeah so often it's a git repo of a project that is kind of in some form of completion either they've built it and then deliberately broken it so you fix it or it's just a kind of a loose thing that needs an extra feature yeah and and no instant in no case in none of them were specifically like the job I wasn't doing work for these people for free. Yeah, I've heard of that though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen. And I'm also kind of 
I mean, you hear about some, I mean, automatic, the WordPress people, they will pay you to do a week's work, essentially, as part of the interview process. Oh, okay. Well, that's um, more fair then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of filters out people who don't have that kind of time, I think. That's quite a commitment to, like, take a week's holiday or to spend two weeks in your evenings, like, working on one thing. Mm-hmm. From, like, a culture fit scenario, of actually, these people have a sense of what it's like to work with you on something. It's a great, it's a good lead, a good indicator that it's a successful thing. And it may be an indicator of somewhere that expects a lot of work from you. <laughs> yes, but I think the instances, specific companies I've heard of that do that process, where they give you a, a take-home exercise that's substantial and they want to pay you for it, mm-hmm. that's generally an indicator of the opposite. They value work-life balance more, because even though they're asking you to do something in your spare time, they're compensating you for it yeah fairly and it's generally a sign that the company is like yeah we respect work-life balance or at least they say they do so you'd be more worried about ones that get you to do that sort of thing but don't offer any compensation yeah but there's yeah i think there's a point at which it tips over i think probably the longest i spent on one was i did spend five hours on one i think which is a lot of time to invest in the process especially if you're applying to a few jobs at the same time and you've got maybe four or five different coding challenges to do and they're all taking four or five hours that's a lot of your time yeah, I mean, sometimes they will there will be crossover, and you can recycle stuff, <laughs> which helps. So if you're doing so, if, if the process had gone months longer, I probably would have had had some things under my belt that I could have just sort of rolled out a bit yeah. more easily. And I guess a lot of it you might like the, when you mentioned say make a login log out process. I mean, I've probably got something that I've written or used before, oh, so, so you can repurpose an existing yeah. bit of code. Yeah. Um, okay, so after the coding challenge, what come? What would be in, if you're successful in that? What would come next? The purpose of the coding challenge is, again, another... They're not saying whether they want you for the job. They're just making sure they don't not want you. <laughs> they're checking your suitable at all. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of, I think a lot of... The impression I get is there are a lot of chances that are applying without technical skills. So um, having that phone, that first phone screener and the coding challenge checks that like this is a human who is not a robot and they can talk to people and they're personable and they sound professional. And then also they have a at least... A base level of technical skill in order to sort of carry on mm-hmm. in order to do the job so then if you've got through that you've got this base level what 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 are we going to be looking or expecting to happen after that if we're successful so the next step from that is then a pr- usually another phone interview but often that can be either part of setting up or they c- it can be done remotely but the next step is then a face-to-face meeting or it was with the ones i applied to i think some companies who met so maybe if i was applying to something in the states it might take a few more rounds before you get to actually meet someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the face-to-face interviews are quite... They've differed more than anything else. Um, and, that, and that was generally, I saw what I... What in my, this is not indicative of what it's going to be like and it's probably not useful for actually judging what to expect. But my experience was the companies that had the most specific and organised tests were then less organized when, you, when, I met them, when i met them so while the one that did the most like this was like oh here are some just things uh, we ended up just having a chat in a pret in london <laughs> in london um and that was so that was much more casual and then the one one of the ones that was particularly open and in fact, the one the one i ended up going for was a, a then a sort of five hour process and yeah i think when you get to face-to-face interviews that's the point at which well yeah it differs depending on how like keen people are whether they think you're a good fit or not early on i mean there was one instance where they had someone who was leaving who had my skills in my and my industry experience like in the same like field and they needed someone pretty urgently they were pretty keen there are enough boxes on my cv enough like boxes 
checked on my CV that matched exactly what they needed. That was a really good fit that that went through to an offer pretty quickly. Yeah. And the fact that it doesn't in other cases is not indicative of like they're on the fence and they don't want you. It's not a bad sign. It's just sometimes the process is longer. But that will often be you have to do some code in front of someone who knows code. <laughs> like you're not just submit. You're not just making get. We're making a pull request on a Git repo somewhere. You're actually doing some code in front of someone. Yeah. Um, which uh, might say so my experience of that is you either have someone comes in with a laptop, and generally, if you've done take home challenge, it's the take home challenge you need to play around with. That happens a lot. Um, so it's like, oh, you you did that thing. Talk us through it and add something else. So add something else. But also, you do get the dreaded whiteboard. <laughs> <That's what laughs> happens um which is yeah i think it's tough it's a it's an unpleasant situation to be in and it's not one i'd recommend it's, it's it seems a strange thing to use in an interview process to me because it's it's so unlike what you'll actually be doing in your job and probably how you've worked or how you do work generally no but i i see i'm in two minds about that. Part of it is, I mean, if they are expecting you to write out all the like, syntax, syntactically perfect code on the board, that's weird, to be honest. That's not representative of anything. But if you're fleshing out a new feature or something, you will often stand around a whiteboard and sort of diagram out an algorithm. Or well, that makes, of, that's, or I guess, less scary. You're looking more for pseudocode then. Yeah, absolutely. Pseudocode is the order of the day if you want to succeed. What they want from you, or at least my impression of what people want, and um, what I look for when I'm interviewing people is that you can get a sense of how their what their process is. And so they're talking. You don't want someone to come up with the perfect answer on the whiteboard, but have stood there looking at it for five minutes in total silence. It's an opportunity to say, oh, well, I'm thinking about this, and these are the, the things I'd worry about, and these are the things I'd want to check. Um, but the basic structure of what I want to build would look like this. And so talking through what you're doing yeah, as you're doing it. Absolutely. Talk, yeah. through what you, to, talk through what you're doing. But uh, I don't know. I think for tech startups... Like this process that we're talking about matches that description quite closely. I've seen, I've heard of other people go through very similar processes to that, and I've seen it in several different companies now. But in my my work history, particularly in the agency field, it's mu- it's much different. It's a lot more casual, and some sometimes it's about well, my experiences. You get in the room with someone who's technical, who can make, who is empowered to make a decision. You have a chat. You either prove or don't prove that you <laughs> you know what you're talking about, um, and that can be it. You get like one chance to go in and talk. I mean, if you get to that point where you're talking to someone face to face, chances are it's because they like your CV and you have, there is at least a baseline of synergy is not the right word, <laughs> but a baseline of compatibility with the company. If they've, they, they and wouldn't a, a skill you, for you can feel confident that your skill level is what they're looking for. If yeah. you've got through those, that code challenge and that CV check, mm-hmm. then you can feel actually. Look, they're bringing me in for an interview. I don't need to feel too worried about where I'm at with my skills because I've got through these things. And then you can be more confident. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm trying to think about the, the reason I'm hesitating <laughs> in to say, yes, that's exactly right, is because sometimes you might be applying to places where you explicitly don't have the skills, but that shouldn't be a problem because the specific skills we're talking about, like the coding challenge to match exactly their requirements... It's not necessarily what they're looking for either, and it may not be what you have, but you have the ability to learn, like we've spoken about on the podcast a lot in the past. Like You're able to take on new concepts, pick up new languages, and just get stuck in. Uh, what you've got is work ethic, a logical brain, and an ability to work with people and get stuff done. Yeah, like, That's more valuable 
often than knowing the specifics of a syntax of a specific language. Okay, so thank you for talking us through your uh, <laughs> job interviews there. I hope it didn't bring, bring back too many bad memories. Is there anything else you've heard of that happens in job interviews that maybe you haven't experienced? Yeah, I think there's a lot that goes on. I mean, my job, I've not had that many jobs and I've not had that many interviews to get those jobs. Um, so it's a very small subset, but you, you read, read around and you hear horror stories on Twitter and on Hacker News. My experience of whiteboarding and of doing face-to-face coding stuff has been fairly pleasant. Every, like, every single person I've interviewed with has been nice. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, they've been friendly, they've been open to questions, they've been honest about the company, and I've never had a horribly aggressive interview for a coding job. I have for other things. <laughs> but, but not, yeah, all my coding jobs have been my job coding job interviews have been pleasantly benign yeah. oh good i suppose this isn't something you necessarily can answer but obviously your experience might be a little bit different to people applying for different types of jobs so maybe a python job compared to someone going for a html css front end thing might yeah. be different yeah that's a really good thing to point out is that my experience is very heavily skewed towards front end development yeah, um, so that kind of you get a little thing to take home. You often, I mean, what we haven't talked about as well is that portfolio is often quite a big part of it. So when you're doing front end work, you have very visible things you can say. I made these X Y Z websites, and mm-hmm. here are some screenshots of the lovely things I've built, and here's a GIF of a fantastic animation I made. That stuff all helps. I think I don't know how that process works as a backender. I think it's obviously different. I think may certainly the stories I hear about all these. Um, well, you get to a whiteboard and you have to reverse engineer a binary search tree and talk about big O notation and do all that kind of like hash mapping stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I've heard the words. <laughs> I don't know what they mean, <laughs> generally speaking. Um, so I would, I couldn't do that at all. I did, there was a, one of the platforms I applied to, like the first thing they did was give you a coding challenge, like like literally a series of tests. Yeah. And I think it was algorithms 101, like really basic stuff, like, popping something on an array what happens when you do a lot of stuff about ordered lists and i don't know anything about ordered lists so i found that very i failed i bombed it i <laughs> could completely messed it up but that's because that was looking for a back-end engineer yeah whereas i was wanting to be a front-end developer yeah i know there's lots of um there's lots of books about coding challenges in the technical interview and things mm. like that that you could probably look at if um if you're worried about that sort of thing yeah um what other things to do at the moment um URL shorteners, build a URL shortener in on the spot in a, in a in an interview, or can you do something that calculates powers of X, Y, and Z and reverse a string? Yeah, uh, oh, no, I don't know. I think a level above that's too a too low. I think okay. yeah, fizzbuzz. <laughs> yeah, so if, yeah, fizzbuzz and reverse a string are at the level of can you? Like, <laughs> it's like saying can you spell rather than whereas. Can you put together a, a URL shortener or can you build an algorithm to calculate discounts in a shopping cart? Um, those things are more, can you write well? Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a level of distinction there between the basics. Are you a chancer who doesn't know how to code or are you someone? You know, the other, the more advanced ones are a way of getting a flavor of how you code. Not so much, It's not a question of whether you can. It's like, what is your style? How do you approach problems? What are your? What, how was your architectural thinking? Like depending on the role. Um. So I do hear it, it. Yeah, a lot of tales of people given tougher things to do than I was given to do as a front ender, kind of algorithmically speaking, yeah. because a lot of it is yeah, CSS and I. You. Yeah. 
can talk for hours on the specifics of the SVG spec and <laughs> go very deep on that, which a lot of people can't. Um, but I'm at a loss when it comes to setting up databases, for instance. Hmm. So there are differences in approach, and I would definitely expect your experience to be quite different to mine in terms of the specifics of like the code they ask you to do, the specific questions you get asked, and probably how like the depth of technicality you need to get into as part of the process will probably be enhanced for a back-end position yes yeah. but then the overall process might be similar then you're going to get the code challenge you're going to get the phone interview etc yeah i feel like that's that's a reasonable expectation particularly if you're applying to lots of places um over a wide range of uh, the, the spectrum of enterprise startup all these little everything in between what would you say then are maybe the kind of give us a, a buzzfeed top three <laughs> common errors that people have when they're uh, uh, at an interview any ideas i would say the the biggest thing that i've seen like when i've interviewed people that has been a stumbling block is people get blocked and i've probably done it as well talking to people you just get asked something and you just do not know never make it up never try and bluff it sometimes it's just accept when you're going in that it's okay to say oh i don't know that but if i but this is how i would approach that problem so you've asked me about something I specifically don't know. So my first step will be, I will Google that and I'll try to be honest about that because that's what the job is a lot of the time. Yeah. Don't be worried about giving the right answer. Be more focused on giving an answer in the right way. So expressing yourself, I mean, that's a horrible way of <laughs> making it really pithy, but express yourself. Don't clam up. And that would be, that would be number one. So <laughs> that's, that's going to be a long list. <laughs> We only want three. Yeah, I can know. I, uh, uh, that is a big thing. That is, that's something I would definitely recommend. Um, don't be, don't have sweaty hands. <laughs> I really, I, just, I can't think of. So it doesn't have to be three, and maybe yeah, yeah. Not, we aren't Buzzfeed. Um, you've got to put on a bit of a face at an interview, haven't you? You've got to go in being a bit larger than you would normally be. Um, I, that's that's how I would approach an interview. I would be maybe a little bit not like over exaggerating but just be um think it, i'm in this situation i've got to impress these people you're going to be a bit heightened in yeah but there's a danger then you get too hyper and i mean my 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 gut like reaction to that kind of scenario is that i get silly and i start to embarrass myself which is to be honest worse than being too quiet <laughs> i think um <laughs> so i think keep a lid on it but know your have yeah that's maybe the second the second piece of advice is have some awareness of what your personality is going in if you're shy maybe don't fight your shyness but be aware that you have to make you should make eye contact you should talk to people you should actually respond to questions and don't try not to give monosyllabic answers actually you're there to often the questions are asked to, to spark a discussion rather than to rather than to give a definitive yes or no answer or a specific answer you've got to show the best side of yourself I yeah, suppose, yeah. If we want these short, pithy lines, mm, yeah. But I don't. I don't want. What I don't want to do is give people advice like, "Oh, if you're an introvert, just don't be an introvert for the day." <laughs> like that's that's not that's not practical or useful. I don't think you are who you are, and don't. And you want you, unless you're going to unless you want to put an act on for the whole the whole time you're there, like work, as a job. Like you want to work somewhere three years, you have to pretend to be someone else for three years. Don't pretend to be someone else in the interview. So hopefully, well, it's been really interesting and useful for me, I think, hearing your experiences and hopefully we'll be able to inspire or give confidence to some of our listeners as well who may be 
in the midst of this process. Yeah, has it been? Has it really been useful? Do you think? Yeah, talking so, yeah. you talking through the interview process was really interesting, especially uh, talking about code challenges. You hear that they happen, but I was never really sure the sort of thing that you get. And obviously, you said that it's, it's a wide variety of thing, but just knowing the process of kind of what you should expect when you're applying to different places was very useful. It's something I found when I first started out was I so much of the industry in the world is just a mystery you don't know anything about it at all when you're starting out so even if you're hearing about experiences that are different to the ones you you can expect yourself at least having some sense of what happens in the industry like professionally what stuff that goes on is really useful i think i've managed to mention the overton window in every single podcast so far but it does change your perspective on what is coming if you have some kind of solid idea of how other people have gone about it so thank you for listening and don't forget to check us out at AQO Code. And hopefully we'll see some of you at FutureSync conference in Plymouth um, next week. If you're there, don't be shy. Come up, say hello. Um, and it will be this week, actually. So this Thursday. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. The magic of podcasting and time travel. Thanks for listening. Bye. Cheers. Bye.